Hey everybody, Pierre Quinn here, and you're listening to episode 128 of the Leading Wild Green podcast, where my mission is to help you live, learn, and lead with confidence. On this episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Dennis Duran, author of the new book, Soft As Steel. Dennis focuses on helping people become more successful by talking, teaching, motivating, and inspiring them about the role of soft skills within the business world and their personal lives. Before we jump into the conversation with Dennis, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Leading Wild Green podcast. Thank you so much for sharing it. Thank you so much for reviewing it wherever you listen to podcasts. And I want to encourage you to go back and listen to episode 127 with Michelle Silverthorne, Authentic Diversity. Great, great, great conversation with Michelle Michelle's a TEDx speaker. She's an author of the new book, Authentic Diversity. And we have a great, great reflective conversation, especially considering all the things that are going on in our world right now. You want to check out that conversation. I also want to encourage you to be to be a bit more understanding as we have these FaceTime, Zoom, video call meetings and gatherings. Sometimes I think we take it for granted that everyone has a space that they feel comfortable or that they're actually in a space where they don't mind you looking at their surroundings or there's not something else going on because we're blending our public and private spaces. And for a lot of people, it's a lot to adjust to. So just be a bit more understanding. And I know we're worried about if a person doesn't turn their camera on, Uh, Are they actually working? Are they paying attention? Are they here? Are they connected? Uh, Just be gentle in how you ask people to turn on the camera and be mindful that that allowing you into their space so that you can see the world behind them uh, may be maybe causing some people to feel a bit self-conscious. So you're going to need some soft skills to to navigate having some of those conversations Uh, with your team or even with your clients. So it's perfect that you're listening to this conversation today with Dennis Duran. Dennis has successfully served the construction industry for over 30 years as a contractor, consultant, strategic trainer and facilitator, development coach, and a public speaker. He brings a multifaceted perspective to people and organizations. There are two words that have continued to follow Dennis and capture his passion, people and service. His message on the vital importance of developing and valuing soft skills is the leading topic of his seminars and the very essence of the message in his highly praised book, Soft as Steel, written to equip readers with the tools to be successful, not just in business, but in life and relationships. Here's my featured conversation with Dennis Duran. I'm excited to be joined on this episode of the Leading Wild Green podcast by Dennis Duran. Dennis, thanks for being my guest today. My pleasure to be with you. So, so take us back, Dennis, when you were kind of thinking about what you wanted to do for a profession or a calling or a sense of career, what were the options on the table for you? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing already in this interview, and that's, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a funny question. Um, you know, in my, in my generation, <clears throat> you know, I went to high school, of course. I went to elementary school, high school, uh, and back again, you know, in, in my education period, uh, the question I put to uh, 
you know, to my, uh, to my father at the time was dad. So I, I guess I'm going to go to college. He said, yeah, you should go to college. And I said, well, what am I going to major in? And he said, um, major in accounting. You can always get a job as an accountant. Um, so, uh, so that was, that was my educational uh, preparation for the rest of my life was to get a bachelor's degree in accounting. Now, you might be able to discern this uh, in my voice and how we talk about things over the next little bit, but, uh, but uh, I'm not your typical accountant. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I entered the profession. Uh, I did okay. I remember my very first day and what I did in the very first hour of my career as an accountant. Um, but within a, as little as a year and a half after I started my career as an accountant, uh, I moved over into the consulting side of, mm. of the business. And then I moved on to a, one of the major uh, accounting and consulting firms as an international firm, spent some time there. And so that's where I started to cultivate uh, my skill set, learn things on the job, not in the traditional uh, construction industry sense of an apprenticeship, but learned on the job how to do things like uh, cut and paste proposals mm -hmm. uh, for large mm -hmm. projects, uh, write things, uh, conduct interviews, prepare documentation, all those kinds of things. And, and one of the things that I, that I learned is that when you're engaging with someone in the capacity of being someone gathering information from them, that's, that's a very focused, purposeful communication. So I started to learn about communication pretty early on. I didn't know I was learning about it, but I was, in fact. But probably more importantly, um, you know, I, I would describe myself as a, as a people person. Uh, people that have known me for a long, long time, uh, they, they know my flaws, but overall they would say things like, you know, he's a good guy, uh, you know, his word is his bond, he's, he's funny, uh, he likes people, all, and those are all wonderful qualities or in the parlance of my, of my current interest, soft skills, those mm -hmm. are all soft skills. Um, and so I've always been interested in, in the relationship I had with the people I was engaged with. So early in my career, it was getting to know my bosses, getting to know the clients. Um, you know, when I, even when I was an accountant and I would go out to do field work for an audit. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was and back then, again, this is a long time ago. Uh, it was done with, uh, with paper and pencil uh, and an adding machine. It wasn't done with a laptop. It wasn't done with a smartphone. But I remember that I really enjoyed talking with the people I was engaged with. Uh, so that's kind of where it all began. And, and, and so as I carried through, I moved into the consulting world. Uh, and then I reached a point where I got, uh, I got a little, little too full of myself. Hmm. I thought, you know what, you know, I, I don't really want to do this uh, anymore. I don't want to work for a big firm. I'm going to do my own thing. And so that, that began the chapters that followed that constitute my progression through my working life, where I leaned very heavily on my relationship building skills. Uh, I wasn't a salesperson. I wasn't a strong technical person in a lot of the things I got involved with, but I was able to to uh, to build and communicate with people in a manner that helped me accomplish whatever the objectives were. So I built several businesses. Uh, some went great for a, a long period of time. Others were a quick a quick burnout. Uh, <laughs> but I've done a lot of different things, and uh, I arrive at where we are having this conversation today as a person who's. Uh, who's enjoying uh, following my calling, uh, which, is, uh, which is what I described uh, a point in time in my life's journey where I decided this is what I was meant to do. And it came very late in life for me. It only came a few years ago. 
um, but uh, but I was preparing for it. And then, if, you know, and I'll, and I can tell you the story about the aha moment. Uh, but I came to a point where I said, this is what I need to do. Uh, and so uh, for the last four and a half or so years, I've been following my calling, doing the things that, that, that I think uh, I was put on this earth to do. That's uh, part of a, I, I refer to a higher power as God, part of God's plan for me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying not to mess the plan up. I'm trying to do good things every day. And, you know, it seems to be working so far. You, you, let's talk a little bit about age and calling mm-hmm. because I know primarily our audience on this podcast, it, it, they're emerging leaders, mm-hmm. uh, but there's, there's some, there's some people who think through, you know, personal experience or trauma or some things that have happened that you're too old or you missed the window, you know, mm-hmm. calling and, you know, vision for your life is that's, that's collegiate stuff that's early career stuff that might even be mid-career midlife for in 40s conversation uh, why is that the wrong line of thinking uh, to limit it to uh, a calling to only a certain section of your life because you don't know when the calling is going to arrive hmm. you don't know when you're going to have that life experience that's going to trigger uh, you to say aha this is what i should be doing um, if it comes early in your life, and, and some people say, you know, I, I knew when I was five years old that I wanted to be a fireman. And some of them went on to be a fireman, you know, or this or that, whatever it may be, or they looked at their father. So I want to, I want to be, I want to be just like my dad. I want to do what he did. Um, and so they identify this is their path. Um, you know, my calling wasn't to be an accountant, hmm. but my father's advice to me uh, was quite simply, uh, get a degree in accounting, you can always get a job as an accountant. Um, so again, you, you don't you don't know when uh, you will literally wake up and say, "This is what I was meant to do." So again, that's that's really what it boils down to. Um, it's in, in my case, uh, it came to me uh, in my late fifties, uh, but I've been but I've been practicing for it, doing things that prepared me for it. Um, but I just I, I just didn't realize it until that late age. Um, so again. It's different for everybody. Some people have a hard time with the notion of saying that they are, that they know what, or they are following their calling. Cause they, you know, I do things like Google things a lot, you know, thank God for the internet. You know, I didn't have it yeah. all those many years ago. Yeah. So, so, you know, back when I was thinking about what, what am I going to do? You know, what, what's the right path for me? I Googled calling and I found a book. I read the book and I said, this helps, this helps mm-hmm. me understand what it's all about. Um, but I think that actually, and this was after I realized what, what my calling is, what it was and what it is, uh, was when I be, after I started a relationship with my, my mentor, uh, who actually wrote the forward to a book that I wrote and released last year, which we'll probably chat about a little bit. Uh, his name is Steve Farber. In, in his first book, he introduces this, this set of thoughts. Do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. Hmm. That's good. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that says it all. And, and that's defining what a calling is to me. And, and um, in one of your presentations, uh, you talk about and it's going back to what Steve said. Um, you talk about the fact that we're all in the service industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now for some people that they're, they're thinking, no, I'm not in the service industry. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 
where does that perspective come from and how do, how do you back up that assertion? Yeah. Well, quite simply, um, whether you, whether you build or manufacture something, whether you, uh, whether you install a driveway in a person's house, paint their walls, uh, whatever, the, whatever that end product is, uh, in order to, to get the opportunity to deliver that manufactured item, paint that wall, install that driveway, you have to engage with people. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the common denominator that's, that allow, gives me permission to say that every business is a service business is that every business involves people. And, and you can focus on, on kind of two, two pots of people, the people inside uh, the company organization uh, that you're part of mm-hmm. and the, the people that are, frankly, very, very important to your success in business. And that is people that are referred to as customers <laughs> or clients or for doctors that are referred to as patients. But again, they're all people. Uh, and in order to be successful, and, and one of the things that you may have heard in one of my videos, one of the things I say when I'm standing in front of a bunch of construction industry folk who will say, well, we don't need no soft skills. Um, you know, I remind that I'm talking to you about that uh, because you are in the service business. You serve people. Uh, and in order for you to be successful, success being measured in the bottom line of your business, you need to serve them in a certain way. Mm-hmm. You need, you need to demonstrate that you're interested in them, that you care about them, that you recognize that that's what it's all about. Um, and that's what gives you the opportunity to be successful. So that's why I say every, every, every industry is a service industry, in my view. Talk to, talk to me about the title, Soft yeah. as Steel. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still soft. How, how did you develop the title, yeah. title of the book? And who, were, who did you have in mind when, when you were writing it? Yeah. Well, the, the, the first thought is this, um, uh, you know, I used, I used to say early on when I started focusing on, on structuring and giving talks about soft skills, uh, one of the things that I've said, and actually, I think someone wrote a book and I may have it here. Uh, the book is entitled soft skills are hard to learn, uh, because they're not really skills and we can talk more about that. Um, but so that was the first, the idea that soft skills are hard to learn. Steel is hard. Uh, so that's one uh, one element, and that's kind of the early on the seed thought. But uh, as I as I thought about this more, uh, one of the people that I engaged with to talk about ultimately the idea of writing a book was my mentor who wrote the forward to my book, Steve Farber, that I've already mentioned. You'll hear me mention him name a few times. He's had a, a very important influence in my thinking uh, as a leader, uh, but a but a particular type of leader, which I'll, which I'll chat about. Um, so uh, it, was, uh, it was probably four years ago uh, that uh, I first had the idea about writing a book. And uh, so I started to, to uh, put together a proposal for a book, started to think about it a bit. Um, and, uh, and one of the things I realized, and you, I'm sure you, you appreciate this, one of the things that I realized is if you're going to write a book, writing the book is, is an important part of it, but other things are involved. And, and therefore, other things that are involved involve money. Uh, and so four plus years ago, the big hand went up and said, you know, this is, this is a good idea. Uh, but the concept for the book that I had four plus years ago is not the concept that I used to write the book. You know, it changed dramatically. Um, but, but the hand went up and said, well, yeah, nice idea, but you ain't got the cash. And I'm, I'm being kind of blunt and saying it this way. I hope you don't mind. Um, so, so it was set aside. 
And now as I look back, uh, I know that when thing, once things happen in your life, you can't change them. But when I look back, that happened for a reason. Uh, I, I wasn't at the point in my journey where, where my mind and my spirit were aligned in terms of what is the message that I want to convey. So it was two years ago that I went to a conference that Steve hosts in San Diego annually. Uh, it's called the Extreme Leadership Conference. Uh, I'm, I'm a certified facilitator in his institute. That means mm-hmm. I can lead programs and use his materials and deliver workshops. And they're terrific, very powerful workshops. Um, but so I was at that, at that program. And the last session of the, of the conference was people breaking into small groups. Uh, and the, the instruction was, I want you to t- talk in small groups. And each of you needs to come up with a goal that you want to accomplish in the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. Based on what you've experienced here, what you're feeling, et cetera, et cetera. And so my goal was to write the book. Uh, so that was February. Um, and, uh, and then uh, Steve and I had a conversation. And he said, you know, you need to write the book. Um, you've got something to say, so say it. And that's what a book is for. It's a way of getting, getting a thought out there. So the conversation was about then. So I'm getting to the, to the title, and I'll say a couple more things. The conversation was coming to an end. And I said, well, I really appreciate your input, and, I, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Um, and he said, well, hold on a second, just one more thing. He said, I've got the title for you. And the title he offered me was Soft as Steel. Uh, so that, and, and again, he arrived at that title by listening to me talk about what I talk about, recognizing that my primary audience and where I've spent a lot of my career is in the construction industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, so the, the reference to steel uh, is, is kind of a double thought. One is that, you know, a reflection on the fact that soft skills are vitally important and they're hard to learn. Uh, and the other is that when you think about uh, a structure like a building, uh, the foundation, the, 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 steel, the steel elements of the building are what make it something which is something that's going to last for a long time. Uh, and, and, and the business and personal reason why I preach about soft skills mm-hmm. is because your qualities as a person and how you, how you present yourself to the people in your life at work, at home, in your community, that, that's what they see that enables them to, to recognize that you're someone that they want to have a long-term relationship with. And a long-term relationship is like a well-constructed building. So that's kind of how I got to that. Do you feel in your, 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 your years of work and the perspective that you have, do you feel like conversation about soft skills and even emotional intelligence, one of the things that you talk about, is it just because it's popular now? You know, has it, has it been something that's always been there and the best leaders knew how to leverage it, but it wasn't popular conversation? Or are we paying more attention to it now because it's, you know, popular literature and, and culture? I think, I, I think it's, well, I mean, there's been, there's been conversation, there's been great work, there's been many books written about things around soft skills, but I wrote a book specifically about soft skills uh, because I thought that's, that's where I needed to be, that's specific about it. Um, uh, but there are plenty of books, there's plenty of research, there's a, lo- a tremendous body of, of, of knowledge on the subject of emotional intelligence, which is all about soft skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I read, I, I walked through an airport and, and as I was walking by the bookstore, I spotted a book up on a shelf at eye level entitled Emotional Intelligence 2.0. 
and it grabbed my attention. I went over, I picked it up, I flipped through and I bought the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, and, and I, and I highly recommend that book to anybody. It's one of the books I uh, uh, call out in, in the resources section of, of the book that I wrote, because I think it's such a good book, very practical, very, very skill oriented, um, uh, to help people understand and be able to value, uh, what soft skills are all about. But I think that, I think there's a, a little bit, some people like to push back on, on, uh, more discussion, more, uh, kind of, um, what's the right word? Uh, more uh, uh, unpacking of this whole issue of the differences in people. And one of the dimensions of difference or diversity uh, is, is uh, generation. And, uh, and I think the newer generations from the millennials forward to the Y's and the Z's, um, you know, for, for, that, for them, um, you know, and, and they may say it like, you know, we, we think it's important to give back. We want where the community is important to us. Service is important to us. And those all touch around the fringe of, of, of recognizing the importance of, of the quality of, of people to be able to do that uh, in a reasonable and successful way. So I think I think some of it's that. Um, again, now we're in a specific point in time. We're in the we're in the middle of an uncertain time. Uh, so as this as, as we're recording this this conversation um, that people may listen to, who knows? Hopefully, maybe even years from now, and they say, "Oh, they were talking about the the aftermath of COVID nineteen." So we're in a particular point in time where 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 personal caring, uh, both for self and for others, is very much front of mind to people at the level of families and communities, um, and and that all speaks to good qualities in people. Uh, because right now, the most important thing that a leader can do, let's take it to the level of a leader, the most important thing that a leader can be doing right now, um, when, when it's very difficult, if not impossible, uh, for them to be able to articulate a vision and purpose, because there's so much uncertainty. The vision is, I'm not sure what the vision is, uh, but we need to be thinking about how we reinvent. We need to be thinking about how we, uh, how we find ways to, uh, uh, to look at, at at everything in our lives in a, in a way that's different than before. And we need to do it down at the level of people and relationships because people and relationships are, are important in business. Absolutely. And they're important in life because we don't live in, in, in silos separately, separate and apart. Some of us do. And some of us do for, uh, you know, unexciting reasons. Like we're just introverts. We prefer to be alone, but by and large, you can't live your life in a silo. Uh, so, uh, so I think we're, I think we're, we're talking in a, in a fairly hyper way. Some people are talking about it more. I mean, when I talk about the period where and I say it's an economic, uh, a, a health and a social crisis, uh, because I talk with, you know, and I, and I have no trouble talking uh, about things like this thing called diversity, uh, which is a word that's been out in the vocabulary probably for actively for, I don't know, what do you think, 10, 15 years, maybe? Um, uh, it should have been out there much longer. Um, but, but I'll go into an audience as I watched you do when you were doing the ABCD uh, talk that you gave. I'll, I, want, I walked into an audience as I do often. It was about a, probably about 100 people in a pretty large room, like the one you were in. And I was introducing my, my thoughts with regards to the topic of diversity, which I talk about a little bit in the book as well. Um, and so I walked up to one individual and looked at his name. I said, Bob, what's, what's one thing, one thing that, that you have without any, any, any doubt at all that you have in common with every other person in this room. And he said, uh, well, um, I'm a human being. 
You know, this is response. I said, well, that's true. That's not the answer I was looking for. So I did it a couple more times and then then nobody got it. Uh, But the answer is fairly straightforward, but but so important and so vital and so sensible and so powerful. And the answer to the question is the one thing that, that you and I have in common with each other is that we're different from one another. It's the lowest common denominator. I'm not a genius. I, you know, again, I'm not the sharpest knife in, in the drawer. You know, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't graduate summa cum laude uh, from college. Actually, it was summa cum laude, uh, but, but I learned some things. But I've learned a lot of things in life. But, but I, you know, when I first thought about that, I, I didn't Google it to see if someone else had said it before. It just came to my mind. And I don't care if somebody else said it because I, I think it's, it's so sensible. Um, and if people would embrace that idea, then they, they wouldn't resist the idea about differences, which underlies everything right up until, again, the time we're in right now, when people are on one side or the other, something like Black Lives Matter. I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible to me. So I talk about diversity and I add the generational piece to it. So as I was thinking about how am I going to, to, to convey my message about the importance of soft skills. One of the one of the elements I wanted to make sure was built into it structurally in terms of how I shared what I learned was the was the generational dimension. So I don't know. Did I, did I, did I answer any questions there? Yeah, yeah. Well, you you answered a, a couple of questions <laughs> that I'm writing down as you talk, but you're answering them, so I'm crossing them off and and. Uh, sorry, sorry about that. And writing more questions, <laughs> which works. Um, and, and I want to go back to something you said earlier, with, especially with your mentor. You were talking about uh, being developed into a specific type of leader. There's a lot of leadership modalities out there, but for you embracing a specific type, as, especially as it relates to the context of what we're dealing with today, frame for us that type of leader and why is it so important to, to understand uh, that frame of reference? Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, I, I, I could say it in, in a few simple words. And again, I, I, I don't feel I need to apologize, but uh, my, my mentor, uh, you know, wrote a book a few years ago. I'm looking at it right now. It's called Greater Than Yourself. And it basically is a book that provides well, instructions on, on what, it, what it, in the simplest sense is, uh, is mentoring people in, 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 that you have relationships with that are in your organization, people that you lead, uh, with the overall objective being to make those people greater than yourself, uh, to share your experiences, to show them a vision, to teach them the things they need to, to know, uh, and do it in a, in, a, in a caring, attentive, committed way in order to, uh, to produce great results and make other people great. Um, and another way I would say it is that, uh, you know, you know, the, to me, the greatest, the greatest leaders I've read about, and I've read a lot of stuff about leadership, uh, and sometimes you read it and you pick up one book, you put another one down, and that's, well, it looks the same as the last book. But, you know, but again, um, everybody's, everybody's got their perspective. Uh, some authors have done it much better than others. Um, and I happen to think, and I think, and I'm so really very grateful that you like the title of my book. Um, because again, that says something about my perspective on this topic. Um, but I think, you know, you know, I like expressions like leaders are learners. Um, I like expressions like leaders are readers. And that comes from, a, from a, an author named Jim Quick, who recently published a book called Limitless, where he talks about the brain uh, and how the brain works and how you can improve your brain, improve who you are. Uh, it's, a really, it's a really great book that I read recently. Um, and I also, I also like to, to say that, uh, uh, that leaders uh, don't talk about leadership. 
They just lead, uh, which means they connect the notion that in order for me to be, to be credible uh, as a leader, uh, I have to do things, again, I've used trite expressions that I've found someplace or heard someplace. I have to, I have to not simply talk. I have to walk the talk. I've got to say it. I've got to do it. Uh, again, it's a simple definition of what integrity is. If I'm saying I'm going to do something, I do it. Um, we have a lot of issues around integrity in public life these days. There's, there's some interesting uh, stories being played out, books being written, like books being written like every day uh, on things like this. But again, so the, the leaders, the leaders uh, you know, their obligation uh, is not simply to be the person who is in the senior most position in an organization. Um, uh, again, my good, my good friend and mentor refers to those, those folks as being uh, um, his term. Let me think of his term for a second. Posers. Talks about posers. You can't be a poser. Uh, you have to be genuine. Um, part of your outlook as a leader is that that not leading is a peer, is a position of of authority, uh, control, etc. Yeah, um, but it's also a, a role that, that needs to be best expressed by recognizing that leaders serve the people they lead. Uh, and again, that's not my thought, it's, but it's a thought out there. And I think it makes sense to me. And that's why I, I tend to, to pick up ideas that make sense to me. And I share them with people because that's my learning journey. So when it, it, the way I talked about my book, I said, I wrote this book in a conversational style. And I wanted to share with the reader things that I've learned. It's not, you know, 140 pages of me just droning on based on thinking I'm smart. Because again, I, 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 I have a quality that's part of who I am. Uh, and, and the term for the quality is humility. Um, and uh, and, and you, you can become humble uh, based on how you experience your life. And my life experiences have demonstrated to me the importance of being humble. Um, but again, so that leader um, has to be able to n- not simply talk uh, you know, from the top, because there are a lot of people in leadership roles who are anything but a lot of posers. They have the C title. Um, they got where they are, and some people just are, are just sh- shaking their head to the point that they're getting, you know, they're jumbling their brains trying. How and how did they ever get into that role? And there, and we all, you know, people like that. I know you're, you know, I can see your, you're, you're in the expression. You, we all know people like that. Um, but there are also, as we as we kind of walk through our life's journey, you know, I see great leaders at every level of organizations. Again, I work primarily uh, in the construction industry. Uh, although, again, I've been very gratified by the fact that people have read my book and said, you know, put the construction industry stuff aside. That stuff in that book is, you know, fabulous for anybody. And I, pre- and I obviously am very grateful for that kind of a comment. Uh, but the, um, you know, you know I, I've seen some, some, of the, some of the best leaders because, you know, it, it, the essence of leadership to me is leaders have a vision. Um, uh, leaders have an, the ability to communicate that vision. Um, they're able to align people to that vision. And, they're, and, and most importantly, here's the icing on the cake and, and the part that many leaders lack. They know how to motivate and inspire people to that vision that they have aligned them to. That's a true leader. Um, and they don't do that by telling them, here's the vision, follow it. Uh, they, they, they draw the picture of the vision and again, I, when I say I, I've seen leaders at the lowest levels in, co- in organizations, think about a construction company. You, everybody can relate to a construction company. They have, they have people they call crews, 
outperforming work and there's a crew leader. Um, you know, again, that's an, an, they could call them a crew leader. They call them a foreman. They could call them a superintendent. Doesn't matter. But I've seen some of some of the best people that 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 model this idea of vision. And the vision may be simply this job site and what we're going to do here today. You know, and the alignment is about making sure they have that the people and whatever else they need is there for them able to execute that that vision. Uh, and then the motivation is again, how they interact with the people, how they use their soft skills to get that crew to put the best effort they can on that day for that project on that particular location. So again, you can have leaders all up and down the organization. Um, I'm very happy to say that, um, and, and, and to share this thought, you know, he, he will not be happy with me saying this, but um, I was asked, uh, you know, recently, uh, uh, if I could think of a, of a person that I thought was a great leader uh, in my life, somebody that I thought was a great leader. And I thought about it for about two seconds. And I said, my younger son. Um, and and so that's interesting. Why do you say that? So I provided an explanation. So lead, being, a, being a great leader is not age dependent. Uh, being a great anything is just beyond doing the job, which is, again, you, you get a job because you can do a job. But, but as far as, as leading, you, you know, there, it's not, there's no age qualification. Uh, it's not an apprenticeship program. You don't have to do it for four or five, six or seven years. It's not, it's not, it's not medical school. You don't have to go through internship and residency. Except, again, some people are, uh, you know, just, just have seen leadership, experienced leadership uh, by, by seeing and experiencing great qualities in people that, that have been part of their lives. Um, whether they're whether they thought they were being they were looking at a leader or not, it's the it's the qualities that the leader possess. And 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 two of the greatest elements of, of leadership from a quality standpoint are leaders are great communicators. Uh, but but within that, m- most importantly, they're great listeners. You know, they listen with to people, and listening is not simply the absence of talking. You know, so great leaders listen, um, and, and I and I think that I mean I think that's pretty basic and. Uh, and I hope that, in a sense, it's coming through in our conversation. Um, they also have a sense of humor. Because if you take yourself too seriously, then you got one other person you got to convince that you're worth listening to, and that's yourself. Dennis, I'm going to ask you to teach us on on uh, reality that we're experiencing right now. You know, a lot of things would happen. You mentioned COVID before. A lot of people were working with their teams in person, same office. Those same space that was being shared and now teams are distributed and most a lot of work happens the way that we're exchanging right now uh, virtually. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some of the skills that leaders of virtual teams uh, need to really uh, develop and demonstrate in order to get the most out of a team that's so used to being in the same space and sharing the same physical location, but now they're called to do the same work or even more uh, because now we're in a virtual environment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, uh, and again, I, I, I think it's important that I can cite people who have, you know, experience, uh, research and expertise. Um, um, I was at a conference, uh, a virtual conference uh, just a week or so ago. Uh, and uh, uh, one of the speakers, and I'm going to have to look up his name, um, was talking about the fact that we are now uh, uh, at a point in time where this crisis has thrust upon us the need to reinvent ourselves. Um, 
Uh, and, and again, so whatever business we're in, whatever we're involved in doing, uh, it is, it, 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 from this point forward, it will not be done in the way it was done before, period. Um, so the, the leader um, uh, has to recognize that reinvention means things like technology, um, replacing personal contact with other ways of connecting with the people that they lead. Um, with learning some things on the hard skill side. In the simplest example, and you'll, I, I think you'll appreciate this, you know, there's a, there's a social group that I am, am involved with and we meet once a week. We've been doing it for six plus months now. Uh, and here we are six months in, uh, but the, and this is a generational thing, at least in one regard, mostly a generational thing. But again, you know, people talk about ankle biters, um, you know, but th- that little thing about using this, this is not an inferior uh, method of communicating. Um, again, we are losing the opportunity to touch, to shake hands, to put a hand on a shoulder. Um, so the, so the, the, the skill uh, that the leader uh, has to really understand, they, they need to learn how to use this technology, become as expert as they can at it. So it becomes as straightforward as many of us have gotten with our smartphones, uh, or in my case, first with my pager back 30 or 40 years ago. Um, so that's, that's, that's the kind of the core piece, but they also had, they, again, in this notion of motivating people, if we, if we've got the tool, these are new tools to use. So construction folks, I say, it's just another tool. You know, it's, 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 it's a fancier version of a, of a power drill. You know, it's an, it's another kind of a hammer, you know, it's a different kind of phone. Um, so you got to learn how to use it. So that means we have to make sure they get the proper training that they're taught how to use it. So they gain the ability to use all this stuff. And then the leader's focus has to move. I've got this. Um, and the way that they will know they have it is that, that people will begin to feed back to them. That was a great call. You know, you, you, you said, I, I, I felt you, you know, I, I could feel what you were trying to get us to understand. You could see in the reaction of all the people on, on the Brady Bunch screen as, 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 my, as, the, as the person who is the uh, founder and chair of a, of a CEO forums group up in Canada that I've become associated with. She talks about the Brady Bunch screen, which I think is a pretty funny way to talk about it. Um, so again, uh, it's, um, it's motivating people to understand that things are different. Uh, this particular difference is permanent. Um, again, some of the research as recently as yesterday, I got a preview of a presentation. We'll be at a conference, an in-person conference that I'm going to be facilitating next week up in Illinois. Uh, even though the Illinois state, uh, the Illinois governor just reduced the maximum number of people they can have an in-person meeting by from 50 down to 25, but we're still going to have this meeting. Um, but you know, wh- you know, one of one of the challenges for uh, for for the leader uh, is how do I motivate folks so that they don't resist the newness, they don't resist this permanent change. Again, this research suggests that probably as much as 25 to 30% of the office-based workforce will never go back into an office. And depending on the industry you're in and the nature of what the business is, those numbers could be much higher. You know, so when you see all these empty office buildings, you know, one of the saving graces for the construction industry is that that space may not be used in the way it was with the density of personnel, but they may, they may go in and rip out of floors of a building and completely reconfigure them to incorporate physical distancing and other considerations. And instead of the C-level offices on, on, a, on a particular floor being at the back of the floor, 
um, you know, away, far away from the elevators, they'll be up at the front of, you know, closer to the elevators. You don't have to walk as far to get to the CEO, nor do you have to walk through, again, other groups of people physically spaced. So again, the whole COVID thing is hanging over our head and it's going to be hanging over our head for another year and a half. So do, do we just kind of, you know, put up with it and just say, well, nothing's going to happen for a while uh, or we just have to suffer through this? You can't do that. So we need to reinvent. We need to remake. And the leader's role in that is that I've got to get this person I'm looking at on the screen right now to, to, to change the expression on their face to one of acceptance rather than resistance, uh, to recognizing that there's some skills that they may, may need to work on to improve, again, in, in the hard skills realm. And, and the one which I talk about all the time, I refer to communication as the ultimate core competency. Everybody can improve their ability and their skills at communicating every day. And now we have to do it even more because we now have another primary method of communication, which is going to be here forever. Uh, so as a leader, I can just kind of say, well, th- this is a pain in my behind. Or I can say that I need to, 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 to maintain my connection with people. I need to build, continue to build relationships with people that I've already known as well as new people in my life. And I've got to use the tools that are available to me in order to be successful in doing that. And it's got to look easy. So easy is a question of mindset. You know, can I do this? Which is a growth mindset, according to Carolyn Dweck, who wrote a great book called Mindset. Or do I have a fixed mindset? No, there's no freaking way. I don't know. I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I'm tired. I'm not doing Zoom. They ain't going to do Zoom. Well, you know, if you ain't going to do it, you ain't going to be in the job anymore. I don't know if that's responsive to your question, but that's kind of my thinking about this. And more importantly, what I feel about it, which I think at the end of the day is, is really the juice that drives change is how you feel about it. Give us a, an example uh, because you're, you know, you're pressing, you know, scratching where we itch and pressing uh, some good buttons for us. Give us an example of someone uh, maybe in, in speaking or consulting or training who uh, maybe was skeptical. Like, why do I need to go over this? Really hesitant, pushing back in some way. And then after the presentation, after the book, after the exchange, after what you shared, they, they saw the value of um, really embracing uh, leading uh, in this way. Well, I'm, I, I say this with humility, but I'm, I'm glad to say that, uh, that with a fair amount of regularity, uh, and this was in, this was in the, the uh, in-person world, um, although I did hear it re- more recently, with a fair amount of regularity, I have people that come up to me after a talk and say, you know what, um, you said this, 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 and this. Uh, it really makes sense to me. Uh, I know I need to do some things differently. This was just an incredible eye-opening experience for me. I, I'd never really thought about this or that. Um, you know, so part is how you deliver the message. And again, I'm not trying to be gracious, but, um, I'm sure that you, that you influence people every time you speak to them. Uh, I like to think that I do that, but not for the purpose of, of, of steering, managing or controlling, but because I talk about ideas that I think are, are worthwhile, important and beneficial to human relationships. Um, and if I can do it in a way that, that affects them, uh, then that it's something for me to be grateful for. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, and I, and I say things, I think as our conversation has gone, I don't use big fancy words. Uh, I use, I use a fair number of words and nobody has ever accused me of being an introvert. Um, but, but again, I try to, do, I try uh, every conversation I have, 
um, and this one has been just a joy for me uh, with you uh, is is a conversation. Uh, you know, I don't I don't preach, I don't I don't even teach. I just talk about important things, um, and I talk about them in a way that people at the end of the day say, yeah, yeah, I. I I, I get that. I need to. I need to commit to working on that. Uh, what you said about what active listening is, I hadn't really thought about it. And 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 so taking notes isn't enough. You know, if I'm if I if I want to demonstrate to somebody I'm listening, when you said you've got to do something as simple as make eye contact, not stare at them, but make eye contact with them, I, I just it didn't it never occurred to me. Or I hadn't thought about it, or I'm doing it, but I didn't realize how fundamentally important it is. Thanks for that reminder. So you spoke of tools uh, earlier, especially in your work in the construction industry. Uh, why would it be a good idea for uh, for a leader, no matter at what stage they are in their career or no matter the size of the organization or level of influence? Why would it be a good idea for them to pick up a copy of Soft to Steel? Because if they if they take the time to read it, it doesn't take long to read. Um, by the time they get to the back end of the book, they'll have uh, a higher level of, of understanding, uh, uh, a little less unease with this whole idea about what soft skills are about, uh, because they'll they'll experience through reading the book the thoughts about uh, the thoughts from people like themselves, because the book is is contains. Uh, and again, I, I'll, I'll just briefly tell you, the book has three parts. Um, in the first and second part, there is information, content uh, that comes directly from a series of 36 I- interviews that I conducted with people in the construction industry. So where, as an example, I asked them the question, if someone were to ask you what soft skills are, what would you say? And so they gave me their answers. Several of their answers quoted verbatim from them are in the book. Um, so, uh, or in another section of the book, I have the 20 most frequently mentioned qualities, which is what a soft skill. It's a quality attribute behavior or something that is a manifestation of a person's values. That's what a soft skill is. So, so you so your one of your soft skills was, uh, trustworthy. Um, can you explain what that means to you? And, and if you can tell me a story that illustrates the importance of that to you. So there are stories in the book. Um, and it's and, and that's such a powerful way to convey these ideas. And then the, the last substantive section of the book is entitled Nuts, Bolts, and Other Interesting Ideas or uh, Interesting Thoughts. And it's just a collection of 52 uh, thoughts that occurred to me that were inspired by the conversations that I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you know, as an example, uh, you know, one of the ones I, I think is kind of uh, uh, kind of kind of fundamental. Uh, and, and that is that. Uh, 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 let's see, let me think of a good, let me say a simple, good one. Um, uh, oh, uh, smart, uh, uh, well, you know what, here, I should remember these off the top of my head, but I don't, I'm, I'm going to randomly open to a page and I'm going to tell you that one of them is this. You just kind of know. Hmm. And then I spent a paragraph and a half talking about that. Um, that's, that's an example or, um, soft skills connect generations. And I talk a little bit about that. Um, oh yeah. And this is the one I was trying to think of, but I couldn't get the words in the right order. Emotional intelligence is not about how smart you are. 
So, um, so again, so when they get to the back end, if they've taken the time to read through it and, and within the next two or three months, they can listen to it because I'm recording it as an audio book, which is also an interesting adventure. Uh, you know, all this is interesting to me. I mean, the podcasting, everything, I'm, I'm experiencing new things in my life at, the, at the, my ripe old age, but gosh, it's been fun. Um, so again, when they get to the back end, um, you know, there's also a, a, a call out to, to take action, uh, to think about your own personal improvement and things you can do to, 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 do, to improve yourself as a, as a person from a soft skills perspective, uh, because the payoff is tremendous. Um, if you think you're a good relationship builder, which is one of the qualities uh, that, we, that was in the top 20, if you think you're a good relationship builder, um, you can be better. Uh, or if you, if, you, if you have the right, again, Carolyn Dweck's word, mindset, uh, the mindset that, that every person should try to adopt is a growth mindset, mm-hmm. a mindset that says that, that until, until I take my last breath, I can still learn new things. I can still do new things. Um, there's, there's no time limit. Uh, and that's why I say leaders are learners and they never stop learning. Uh, Dennis, if we want to better connect with you, if we, we want to grab the book. What's the best way to stay connected and to follow up on what you're doing? I, I have a website. Um, it's my name, Dennis Duran speaking, all one string.com. Um, my email address, it's my personal email address, and anybody can use it if they're interested in talking with me, uh, is Dennis D. Duran. So it's my first name, my middle initial, and my last name at, at Gmail. Uh, and on my website, there is a button they can click if they want to schedule a conversation with me. All they do is click on it and pick a time, and I'll be there and talk with anybody who wants to talk to me. And of course, I'm on Amazon and all those other places as well. I'll make sure to put the links in the show notes so that people can be just one click away and they won't have any excuse uh, when it comes to reaching out to you. Had a great conversation with Dennis Duran, author of Soft as Steel here on the Lady Wild Green podcast. Dennis, thanks so much for being my guest today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Great conversation with Dennis Duran about his new book, Soft as Steel. And I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of this book and leverage the power of soft skills in your professional and your personal life. I put all the links in the show notes so that you can only be one click away and so that you don't really have an excuse not to follow up on Dennis and his work and to grab a copy of his book. Listen. That's all I have for this episode of the Leading Wild Green podcast. You know, I tell you each and every week, you know, it's my mission to help you live, learn and lead with confidence. So until next time, take care and God bless.